0: God and especially as we're foreseeing promise and we're foreseeing some of what God is, the little bit that we're seeing start to surface and bubble up in the spirit, that we would have clear expectation or that we we really wouldn't have set expectations. And it was an opportunity just to be in repentance and be um, just have clear hearts and clear sight um, as God is unfolding what's next. And um, some of what he's been teaching me and doing in me the last number of weeks, I just realized that I kind of felt like I had like a part two to what she spoke on, and um, just reached out, and so that's kind of how this came together. So, um, so Isaiah and Isaiah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. In um, Joshua, there's the scripture: that the Israelites are just about to cross over the Jordan into the land of promise. And there's a call to the whole nation to consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God is going to do wondrous things. And um, they have this call to prepare their hearts and to um, be in a place of real purity because um, they know that they're stepping in. They have to cross this raging river. They know they're stepping into promise. There are giants. There are things um, in the land that they're aware of. There's a required dependence on God. And so there's a process that he calls them to, to be um, prepared for that journey across the river and into promise. And um, as we, you know, we've experienced a lot of um, just the, the bubbling up of the prophetic of um, crossing into promise, both individually and as a church and as the, the full body of Christ. Um, I just wanted to... I'm somebody who's journeying along with you for fulfillment of promise and um, just wanted to speak a message of encouragement and call to just further purification of our hearts. So um, when we speak about promise, there's individual promises that God makes to us. There are corporate promises that God makes to a family and then there's, um, or to, to the large, like the full body of Christ, And then there are promises, um, so those are both promises of this age. And then there are promises for the age to come. And just a couple of examples, um, individual promises could be promises for your family, for your children, promises like uh, Joe and I, an example, we're waiting to conceive children. That's a promise that we have from the Lord. It could be promise to get married. It could be promise um, for restoration in your marriage. Um, physical healing, salvation of loved ones, um prodigal uh, family members, prodigal children or loved ones returning to the Lord. These are just some things that are individual promises that God speaks to us. and um, just he'll give us a word, plant it in our hearts, and almost like like bait for like a, a fisherman with bait. like, Sometimes they're really, it the process al- is a lot more difficult and hard to, to wait for, but he, he plants that in our hearts and baits us along so that we're not able to give up on what he's spoken. Um, corporate promises could be like we're, wait- we're all waiting on a move of God. Um, promises regarding our specific church. We've, um, had s- we've had dreams about growth. We've had um, words about being a center for healing a center for um, distressed and weary pastors and leaders. Um, There was a a word that was given in worship months and months and months, maybe a year ago, um, that God said it's gonna be a place with so many children and babies. And so that's a word that we're gonna be a place that's gonna host families. We're gonna have lots of families in our midst. um, And that God's gonna give us, he's gonna expand and give us a larger space to host his move. Um, eternal promises are more things like salvation, redemption, um, reconciliation with the father, that we have peace with him. Um, so these are some of the things that, um, the fathers of our faith, um, they, they lived with an eye for the city that God was building, and it wasn't a city of this age. They were looking to the eternal city that God is building. So those are all eternal promises. So that's just a little bit of a, kind of a baseline when I speak about promises. Um, Today I just wanna speak about the process of promise and um, the way that God uses promise to deal with the immature places of our hearts and um, basically the pressure and the trial of our faith and the trial of promise pushes us into growth and into the place of anointing and authority. So he gives us a promise. Like I said, he plants it in our hearts. And um, it's not, it a lot of times the, p- the process of promise takes time. There's a weight to it. And um, it's not that he's waiting until we have all of our ducks in a row. It's not that he's waiting until we just cross the right T or dot the right I. A lot of times it feels that way. Right. But that's performance. Right. And that's what can I do to earn this from God. And he's not waiting for that. He's waiting for the process of our hearts to be um, produced into this place of maturity. And then he'll give that promise as a good gift. He wants it for us because he spoke it to us. But he wants his eyes for the maturity of our hearts and, um, and the, the process that that, that brings. Um, so the mark of, pr- the, of a promise from God is usually or always something that requires resurrection power, it requires something that only he can do, even if that's a work in somebody else's heart, like the example of like waiting for a prodigal child to return to the Lord, only God can do a work of repentance and drawing of their heart. So it requires resurrection power, and we saw that in the testimony of Abraham's faith in Hebrews, um, that he considered God even able to raise the dead when he was called to lay down Isaac's life. So he reckoned God as the God of resurrection life, and, um, and that's where his faith lay, that even if I have to put my son on the altar, God's going to give him back to me because God promised him to me. Um, so it requires resurrection power, um, and our own strength cannot produce it. Only the strength of God can produce it, and it has a weight involved, which is called the process of trial and faith. Um, God speaks... Uh something into existence but it requires our partnership and um he he's producing faith in us there's been a for those of you who are new um there's been a lot that God has been speaking um, prophetically about birthing a baby and giving us that visual of bringing forth promise and bringing forth his move in in just the picture of a baby coming forth and the process of birthing a baby and so um He requires our partnership of faith to to push and bring forth that baby, just the same process as in the natural. Um, And just like a woman who initially gets pregnant, there's a process of her body um, changing and being made ready to bring forth a child. On day one, she can't bring forth that child. I mean, the child's not even produced. So, or not not fully grown, but her body has to go through a process of preparation so that she can bring forth her child. Um, So personally, being um, on a journey of promise for many years, sometimes the attitude of my heart or just the cry of my heart is it can be, it would be easier to not even have a promise from God because then you can just move on. You know, the wait can be so long and toilsome that, it's, it'd almost be easier at times to not have something that you know God has spoken, because you could just let it go. But that's that that's how you know it's a promise from God, is you can't let it go. It's, it's planted within your spirit, and though you go through, you ebb and th- flow through seasons of immaturity and emotional reactions and, just places of of the pain, the growth pains, you can't let it go because it's something of the Spirit of God planted within you. Um, the reason that he gives us um, let's see. Yeah, just the um, the the process of promise, Requires a conformity in us um, that only the pressing and the mix of trial and faith can produce. So there's difficulty in it, and there's conformity, which is us, you know, having to change and and respond to the Spirit and be obedient and have disappointments, but still come back, you know, still, still say, yet will I, you know, trust you, and yet will I f- follow you, and yet will I believe you, and just allowing our faith to grow in the midst, the midst of that trial. Um, James 1, 2 through 4 says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patient endurance, or patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And the Passion translation says, endurance will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So that's the, the letting patience have her perfect work during the, the process and the growth and the trial um, is releasing perfection into our being so that we're not missing or lacking anything. So does that mean that I'm not missing or lacking that thing I desire or that thing that God has spoken to me? Like, are, are we not lacking a child that we're waiting for? It's not about the promise. <laughs> it's, it's really not. God, God will fulfill what he's spoken, but it's about the trial of our faith pressing blemishes out of us so that we would be made perfect. The perfection makes us, just like Jesus, a perfect sacrificial lamb so that we can be a living sacrifice to him. And that's what he's after. Is that we are we are living sacrifices, and He's worthy of a pure sacrifice, and so the trial of our faith presses out those blemishes and those you know those those crooked places, so that we are holy before Him and given to Him. Um. And and that is that's where He creates the anointing and the authority in the very areas that we were lacking, so. Um, some of you may be familiar with the process of how olives are pressed into olive oil, but it takes great pressure and great um, yeah, pressure that presses olives and oil is released. And that's what the process of faith does, is presses oil out of us. And we have, and in those places where there's growth and oil released, we have authority there to be able to offer that to someone else who's maybe not as far along in the journey of maturity or of, you know, maybe they're just, maybe they are just as far along, but they're sore and hurting from the process. And we're able to just minister to them and offer what God has given to us into their hearts. Um, So I personally haven't found the process of the fulfillment of promise to be a one size fits all type of (laughs) answer. where like, someone who's received promise just seems like these couple of things happened and all of a sudden they've received fulfillment of their desire. And um, if I do it just that way, then I will too. It, It doesn't work that way. Because we're individuals and because God knows the intricate places and the intricate details of our hearts, his process and his dealing with us is so specific to the places of our own hearts that there's no shortcut. It's just, you know, he's the the beginning and he's the end, and we just have to be faithful to the process and his timing. Um, So there's not a one-size-fits-all, but he does give us examples and glimpses in Scripture of the fathers of our faith and different um, experiences that they went through and also um, through apostolic Scripture, um, different wisdom. And in Hebrews eleven six, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be the one who rewards those who diligently seek him. So I feel like through this scripture, the order is pretty simple. It's regarding God for who he is, period. That we, we glorify him, worship him, love him, are given completely, in love to him just because he's worthy of it, not because we're trying to get something from him or not because, you know, just because, because he is worthy. Um, And secondly, that we apply our faith to passionately seeking him, again, for that, that end, that we're just given in love to him, passionately seeking him for more of him. And then he rewards those who diligently seek him. So that's, he gives us kind of a, a process, and we don't know the timing, we don't know what it requires our own hearts to process through, but he wants our hearts to be solely given to him. Um, But so often the process of promise leads us through phases of exposing idolatry in our hearts and um, loving and seeking God more for fulfillment of promise than just for the love of him. And this often looks like, kind of the visual I had of this, is a reach toward God, but through him toward promise. So it's almost like God is um, a means to an end rather than just the end himself. And so it looks like we're worshiping and even sometimes in, in the deceit of our own hearts, it looks like you know we love him, we want him, um, and, and he'll use his own wisdom to expose that to us. But but there's sometimes a reach beyond him for something. And um, and he's worthy of all of our love and all of d- our desire and our reach just being for him. So this reach can look like Wesley spoke, expectations on God and others. Um, it could be that we have set expectations on either how things should be or um, on others, that we want them to hear us a certain way, support our hearts, support our process a certain way. And a lot of times those ju- just end up leadi- leaving us in disappointment, in um, just feeling alone, feeling um, unseen, unheard. Um, promise can f- can become a right rather than a gift where we feel like God spoke this, he's able to do it, and we almost hold it up as a right of ours before him rather than just something that he intends to give. Um it can also lead to us wanting more and more and more from him and never being satisfied, that there's just this, you know, or like a sponge that no matter how much of his goodness and how much of his nature and character he reveals to us, he just pours it into that sponge and it just soaks it up and wants more and more. And there's a good aspect of that. I'm talking the negative aspect where we're never satisfied with the little bit that we've already experienced in him so that he can give more. Um... And these things often lead to offense at God and others, protections of our own hearts where it hurts too much to keep believing, where we experience repeated disappointment or discouragement, and we end up just wanting to shelf our promise and just you know let it go, or um, avoidance of God and people because other people's blessing or the abundance and flourishment in someone else's life is too painful to see and we're unable to rejoice with them so we just avoid instead and that's not the heart of god he wants our hearts to be pure and able to rejoice and able to um, be fully present with one another it can lead to a victim mindset or heart position where um, we end up starting to feel like poor me feeling sorry for myself um, just you know having that ache but can just lead to some of these distorted places in our hearts an attitude of when will I get mine when someone else is blessed, so that we're not able, like I said, to be present and just rejoice, but instead, in the back of our mind, we're more thinking of ourselves than we are thinking of the other person. And um, we want to just be able to love and be there with other people in their moment, and they'll be there with us in ours, but We want to be as a family just fully present with one another in all phases of life and um, rejoicing, weeping, and everything in between. We want to just really have a clear heart to be there for each other. Um, And anger, we can become angry at God and his timing because his timing doesn't always look like our timing or our desire, and it can lead to a place of offense and anger, and um, none of these places are are pure places of our hearts, and um, so they sound very orphan, if, you know, you're familiar with orphan, orphan heart and orphan mentality, Um, they sound very orphan because all these places are are about God giving me something, and I want more, and I'm mad and offended, I'm going to go pout like a little kid if I don't get what I want, rather than walking in relationship with God and letting him just fill every place with the, just being satisfied with all that He is, and allowing Him to just give us good gifts. Um, and there are good gifts along the way. It's not like it's not like that. Those specific things He's spoken are the only good gifts that we receive from God. Even though we can put them on a pedestal, that's how they become idolatry. But there are good gifts in God, just in the revelation of His nature and His the different things that He's teaching us about Himself that can be gleaned along the way if our hearts are pure and able to receive it. So I'm just going to speak just a short little moment of my testimony in the last few weeks because God really taught me something the last couple of weeks. Um, So for us, this one specific area of promise that we've been awaiting, we're going into our 10th year of waiting for um, to conceive a child. And um, there's been lots of layers over the years of, process, trial, some rest, some growth, but then, you know, ebbs and flows with hope and then sometimes disappointment and um, and a process, like really just a development in the Lord. And um, probably, I don't know how many months ago, but prophetically, you know, all of this starts stirring in the spirit, just language bubbling up about, um, I, th- I do personally believe there's a very thin veil that we're about to cross through into real breakthrough in all of our lives and we're just in this moment where we're just waiting on the banks of the Jordan like the Israelites and we are in that consecration moment where God is calling us to get the areas of our hearts ready and pure because we're about to cross over so there's been all this language and the spirit bubbling up um, with promise that just you know, when you're awaiting things, that that makes your heart hopeful. And um, so in the natural, shortly after the Pearsons conceive, and they've been waiting on promise for children. And um, at the same time, um, there were some signs that I've never had before that made me feel like maybe, at the very same time, maybe I was pregnant too. Um, and um, that it might be real for the first time ever. And at the same time we were we had a very spontaneous um, we were reached out by somebody reached out to by somebody um, with the potential to adopt another baby. This is all like within days all happening at the same time. And so it was this moment where it felt like all this abundance like everything's happening at once and with all that's being spoken prophetically, it feels like this massive moment of like this really could be God like, all this is happening. Like, we might go from having one child to all of a sudden having, you know, multiple children within, you know, months. And, you know, you start to dream and hope. And so um, there's all this that feels like abundance. And then within a few days, it, it all just crashes down. And so I'm not pregnant. Um, we felt, due to some f- different factors and some also some things that the Lord was really speaking to us, we just felt like the Lord wanted us to wait on him and not um, adopt this child, and um, so everything goes into a very felt place of God just calling us to be still and that we can't see, you know, what's what's just on the horizon, but to just be still and wait, and it just goes from this plate like this this feeling like a mountaintop to like all of a sudden you're just down in the valley, and it was honestly. Really crushing and excruciating in the moment, um, and I've had a lot of painful, d- you know, disappointments over many years. But this particular series of events caused a pain in me that something broke different than other times, and um, and in it, I felt the um, combination. My my felt experience was this combination of the nearness and the comfort of Jesus in a ex- very experiential way, and my need and want for him rather than for promise. And not because of the pain of rejecting promise, but it was just a new cry of my heart different than other time ever, different than um, so there was just this convergence of him being so tangibly near and my m- the cry of my heart for that. And um this released a tangible grace that I haven't experienced in such a real way, maybe ever. Um, So fast forward a couple weeks beyond that, and I've just been walking and experiencing this grace of his nearness and comfort and just delighting in him. And um, I was having this conversation. I was just talking to him, one of those like repentance type conversations where you're aware of things in your heart. And during the conversation, you're having r- revelation of what's in your heart. So you're talking to him about your heart and he's yeah. showing you at the same time. So it's one of those conversations and I, I'm just starting to see and be really sorrowful over just some of these orphan places of my heart and really recognizing the that all of the areas of his goodness, just the amazing things that he's given us and done and been to us, Hasn't been enough for me, and my cup hasn't been full, and I've just coveted more. I've coveted, I've, I've coveted specific things rather than been thankful for you know what's right before me, and um, I've felt my lack rather than felt all of the provision of God that that's present in my life, and um, as as I'm praying this, He brings to my attention. Um, Philippians 4, through 13, and I have it here in the Amplified. Not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or uneasy regardless of my circumstances. I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times, and I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity in any and every circumstance i have learned the secret of facing life whether well fed or going hungry whether having an abundance or being in need i can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose i am self-sufficient in christ's sufficiency i am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace, so He gives me this scripture as I'm talking to Him, and and that's where you know where my prayer goes is God, I want the secret to be content and to have this grace of th- the inner strength and peace, releasing this grace that I'm content no matter what, that that my cup is full, um, and. This scripture, I believe, the, the 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 secret is living in Jesus' sufficiency. He's enough, all that He is, and it's this place of, you know, the same as going back to the scripture in Hebrews, where first we just regard God, we recognize who He is and that He exists, and we just love Him for Him, and that He's sufficient to us, and that's it. It's not He's not sufficient to the end of my desire. He's sufficient. And then everything that he gives is an overflow of abundance because my cup's already full. When he pours into it, you know, it's overflowing rather than has room to fill up. Um, So idolatry blinds us to God's character and what he is actively doing. Um, I think, well, um, Psalm 127, it says, "'Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it unless the Lord guards the city the watchmen keep awake in vain it is vain for you to rise up early and to retire late to eat the bread of painful labors for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep so God gives to us even in our sleep in the place of rest where we're not toiling and we're not trying to put the pieces together and we're not you know we're not reaching for an end rather than just allowing, just r- just be on the ride with the Lord. Delight in him and enjoy relationship with him through the process. And in the place of rest, in the place of sleep, he gives to his beloved. Um, so this is just encouragement that we just continue to keep ourselves before him. I'm just using this to expose a place of, you know, something he showed in my heart and life through a process. And I know many of us are on different going through different processes of faith and um, he's dealing with our hearts and um, and it's his love that's dealing with us so that we're ready so that our hearts are consecrated and we're able to cross over into fullness so it's just an encouragement that you know we're journeying together and we're gonna we're gonna cross over but but let's delight in him while we do it
1: Just want to pray real quick and just say a few things that came to my heart as Kate was speaking you know one is that God never gives I've learned this so painfully at times but God never gives self-serving promises he only gives God glorifying promises and all the trying and testing and fires that he takes you through under the fulfillment of that promise he's given you is to ultimately free you from idolatry and self-seeking so that that promise doesn't serve you, it serves him, right? That it brings glory to God. So, Lord, I want to read this one passage, and then let's pray because this is, This is the kind of maturity he's bringing us to because we're destined for tremendous promise in this hour of church history. And we can't worship those promises when he fulfills them. We can't worship revival. We can't worship miracles, signs, and wonders. We can't worship prophetic. We can't worship ministry roles and status in the church. We have to be free from idolatry and self-seeking. We have to be free from self-seeking and turning the glory of God upon ourselves and worshiping it. That's idolatry. That's Israel in the wilderness. Israel saw revival in the wilderness. They saw signs, wonders, and miracles and an outpouring of the glory of God. They saw him manifest in a cloud by day and fire by night. And they were left wanting. It wasn't. It was, nothing was enough, right, as Kate was saying. They said, oh, can he give meat? Can he give water? Will he do this? Will he do that? And the whole point was, I need your eyes on me. I'm trying to reveal myself to you, and you have eyes, but you can't see. You just want more stuff. You want more of what I can do for you rather than who I already am to you. It's idolatry, serious stuff. 1 Timothy 1.18. We all know this passage, but hear this. 1 Timothy 1.18. In accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you. Those are prophetic words, promises that God gave you directly or indirectly through people. He says, if you have a promise over your life, if you have a view of your future that won't let you go, he says, that's a prophetic promise. And he says, in view of these promises that have gotten a hold of you. Right. They've gotten a hold of you. They aren't letting you go, even if you try to let it go. That's divine destiny. Something you've been called to from your mother's womb. <laughs> he says, In view of these promises, Timothy, I want you to fight the good fight of faith, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. What's he saying? He's saying what we're talking about today. You have a promise over your life. There's going to be war, Paul says. Fight the good fight of faith. That's war. And he says, don't suffer shipwreck because there's going to be waves. You have prophetic promise that's gotten a hold of you. You have a view of your future in God. He says there will be war and there will be waves. He says, but you keep faith and a good conscience towards those promises and don't let the enemy muddy your heart about it. Don't let the enemy cast shadows of doubt concerning it. He says, you keep your conscience clear from discouragement, anger, frustration, offense, bitterness, losing heart, getting doubtful. Just saying, forget this. I don't want to go this way anymore. He says, you steer clear of that in your conscience. You stay pure about his promise and you keep a heart full of faith because he's good and he's faithful and true. He doesn't change and he can't lie. He's not a man that he should lie. When he gives you a promise, he's telling you the truth about you. And he's going to hold to his word because he's faithful. He's exalted his word above his name, his nature. But he says you keep a good conscience and you keep your faith regarding that thing and and he'll see you through. you got to let him see you through to this. Amen. Let's pray right now. If you've had promises that have been seemingly delayed, maybe they have, but forget it if it has or hasn't. If you have promise and it hasn't happened yet and it's felt like torment at times and it's caused anguish, Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are not a man that you should lie. We thank you that regardless of how things have formulated in our lives and circumstances thus far, forget it. Don't lean on natural wisdom or natural knowledge as Pastor Wesley taught last week. Right now, we forsake our own understanding and we trust the infinite wisdom of a good God. We trust the infinite wisdom of a good God who has his glory and our good top of mind all day long, all day strong. Your highest good is top of mind and his highest glory is top of mind. And he knows how to cause them to work together. And it hurts when he does. Right. But he's good. He's bringing it to completion. He's watching over his word to perform it. And you are on the brink. We are on the brink as a generation of entering into tremendous divine purpose and the fulfillment of promises that we've been waiting for for years and decades. Right? And we need to allow our hearts some time to let go of any grief or anguish and become at rest in God alone in this hour. Lord, loose our hearts. From all self-seeking, Lord, any quandary of self, we want to be free and free indeed. We want our feet loosed to run the way of your word. That when the season shifts, I'm not carrying any of that muddied conscience. But that my heart is pure. And all of a sudden, when the season shifts and the promise is fulfilled, my heart's right And my feet are ready to run, no matter what it looks like. Ready to run, Lord. In Jesus' name, bring peace, grace, settle on us. (laughs) Oh, Lord, thank you. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless everybody through and through. Be blessed, be graced. We love you all